0: The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Atatū. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Last Sunday I suggested to you that you take some time this week to have a conversation with God. I won't do Bill's trick of saying, so who did that? It's holding people accountable. How could we possibly hold people accountable? How did your conversation go, though, I wonder? I had a conversation with God during the week. Can't say I heard an audible voice, but I have no doubt it was God speaking. On Monday, I had a text from Minnika. As you remember David and Minica? And Minnika says, hey, Brian, hope you guys are doing well. There have been some interesting developments here. This is out at Waiuku. And a friend of mine from our church has become super passionate and interested in all things dmm that's disciple making ministry or disciple making movements i told her that we still meet with you every so often and she said next time you come out she would love to come along too if possible and talk more about it she's already read half of the contagious disciple making book and so i see things happening out there have conversations with mike porteous who many of you remember came along and he said things in zambia uh, are looking like they're just about to explode he's going on a missions trip there later in the year and we'll get him back after that but this multiplication of disciples through using of discovery bible study in zambia that mike's involved in and we've become involved in uh, through the relationship with mike who contacted me to find out about dmm and discovery bible study and then he talks about the things in Fiji that are stepping up. The other person, when Mike came out, there was a couple, Keith and Joy, who many of you have met. And Keith came and talked about, particularly about the stuff they've been doing in Thailand. And so every two to four weeks, I catch up with Keith and Joy. And This week, it was due to catch up with him on Tuesday. So I'm driving out there on Tuesday morning, before the heavens opened. Um, and I'm thank, God, I'm really frustrated. I'm going, it's like, here's things happening for Minnika and David out in Woku and, and there's things happening through Mike, and I'm going, God, it's just, I don't have the time at the moment to give, that I feel I need to give to see things happening here where we are. And again, on Monday, my dad had transferred to uh, Aaron Court to be with mum, and uh, that's really been a positive for him. He's, he's settled. He's feeling a lot more positive in himself just simply because he knows he's safe where he is. And I'm going, I just don't have the time. And I sense God say to me, so what did I say to you last year on the 19th of June? So the 18th of June was a Saturday night when I got a phone call at 11 o'clock to say Dad had had a fall and we've rung an ambulance. And Dad was lying on the room floor of his apartment waiting for the ambulance which arrived six hours later and took him to hospital. And the word God gave me at that point was honour your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and then it may go well for you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I said last week how I equate the land with all of the promises that God has given. And I just sense God saying, you do what I've commanded you to do, and in my time. And I come back and I'm preaching through Abraham again. And it's that continual listen, lesson about learning to live by faith. Not by our plans, but by what God has spoken. And so God speaks through our thoughts and through stirrings in our spirits, through friends I went and when I caught up with Keith and I sat down and I shared that conversation with him. And he was able to reassure me that God's got this. And he was sharing about stuff that's happening down in Poyatura and Palmerston North and things that have all sparked off. You know, when I came here eight years ago, and I was talking about Discovery Bible Study, I didn't know anyone else in New Zealand talking about Discovery Bible Study. And at the end of 2018, there was a group of us gathered in Hamilton to talk about Discovery Bible Study and disciple-making movements. And we were kind of just like the outliers. And yet there's a sense that God is stirring something throughout this nation in his time. Remember that Abraham's been having this conversation with God where God assures him that he is his provider and his protector. And so Abraham asked questions about the heir. How can I become the, the father of a great nation if I don't have a son? My one of my servants, one of my one of my one of my household is going to become my heir. And Abraham also had questions about the provision of the land that God had promised. And so God says to Abraham, well, you won't live to see your descendants taking possession of the land, but there are some things I can tell you. It's going to be about 400 years. In fact, he didn't say about 400. He said it's going to be 400 years, and there's going to be a season when your descendants will spend time in slavery. And he talks about the extent of the promise. He said it's going to stretch the land. It's going to be from Egypt up to the Euphrates River. And God also slips in there. One of the reasons for the delay, God says that the sin of the Ammonites has not yet reached its fullness. In other words, when the nation of Israel finally come into the promised land, part of what is happening there is they are executing God's judgment on the sin of the Canaanites. Specifically here it mentions the Ammonites. And then we had that very visual covenant-making ceremony as the heifer and the, and the lamb and the goat are cut in half and then the pigeon on one side and the dove on the other and, and the, the flaming torch and the, the fire pot pass through as God makes this covenant with Abraham. And we're given this wonderful assurance that Abraham believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness. And so Abraham's questions have been answered, and his faith is now strong. Well, maybe not, because we keep reading the story. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, "'The Lord has kept me from having children. "'Go sleep with my slave.'" Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and when she, conce- and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible I could go into that one you are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering see I could get myself in so much trouble this morning yeah on Mother's Day exactly I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant she despises me may the Lord judge between you and me Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur, and and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers she gave this name to the lord who spoke to her you are the god who sees me for she said i have now seen the one who sees me that is why it is called 'er beer it is still there between kadesh and Bered. so hagar bore abraham a son and abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Abraham was 75 when they left Haran. Ten years have passed as we have tracked the story through chapters 12 to 15. If we take a sneak look ahead, it'll be another 15 years before the son of the promise, Isaac, is born, Abraham will be Abraham and he'll be 100 years old, and Sarai will have been renamed Sarah and she will be 90. And as I said last week, it seems that as Abraham and Sarai have travelled from Ur into Haran and now down then into Egypt, that they've seen hundreds of children born into their household. But still, Sarai is unable to fall pregnant. Finally, in desperation, Sarai has a plan. Now, as a bloke, I will take some risks, but I am not even going to begin to try to explain and understand the emotions and the thinking that goes into this decision. The desperation that drives a decision like this, and the shift of emotions. Suffice to say that just because the head can accept a certain course of action doesn't mean the heart is ready for the consequences. How easily our affections can turn. Hagar was to be the solution to the problem. And now for Sarah, she's become the heart of the problem. While we readily note that the problem was what Sarah... Like, we readily note, we, we understand the problem was what Sarah was presenting. Some have suggested that back in the day, such arrangements were commonplace. If you could, and it's becoming more acceptable today, have a surrogate, have your child. But just because it's commonplace... Here's an important lesson. Godly living is not measured against commonplace practice. How many of you here are parents? How many of you have never said to your kids, just because everybody else does it, doesn't make it right? We've all said it. Almost all of us anyway. You may be the exception. But how easily we as adults justify our actions... In exactly the same way. It's what people are doing these days. It's the way the world is. Others note that God had said the Son would come from Abraham. He had not said that the Son would come from Sarai. So maybe this was a reasonable option. But God's silence is not God's permission. Just because God hasn't said, "You don't do this, doesn't mean it's okay to go and do that. Godly living is guided by what God has said, not by His silence. In Proverbs 14:12 and again in Proverbs 16:25 we're told that there is a way, that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Everybody may be on the road, but check out where the road's going. We're very quick to offer and to encourage and to celebrate the pursuit of personal freedoms and choice. But we do all we can to hide away the consequences of that freedom. And those choices we don't speak of the misery and suffering that comes from those choices the clearest example I've ever had was did a phone call from an elderly member of my congregation in her 80s who said I need to talk to you Brian lovely Christian woman but she had had an abortion when she was 15 and she had carried that all through her life. We hear the stories, but we don't see those told out when everyone's pleading for their rights and their freedoms. And there are so many more issues that we are facing in our world today. And there are consequences being played out for those, but we, we, we pump up the freedoms the right to choose and we totally ignore the harvest of misery that is coming but the Bible never shies away from being honest about the consequences I do feel a little bit sorry for Sarai because um, in one sense her intentions were good but good intentions don't always lead to right action. You see, God had spoken to Abraham not to Sarai. There's no record in the narrative of God turning up to Sarai at this point in time and saying this is what's going to happen. He told Abraham what the calling was. He gave the promises to Abraham. He made the covenant with Abraham. He had the conversation with Abraham and when Sarai comes to Abraham. Abraham should have gone, No. Even if he didn't know that the plan was contrary to God's will, then surely, if this is the way of fulfilling God's plan, then surely the logical thing would be to do what he had done in last week's reading, which is go and have a conversation with God. Hey, God, Sarai has proposed this option. What do you think? And God would have gone, That's not the plan. One wonders whether Abraham didn't want to hear a no. And often that's the reason we don't go to God, is because we don't want to be told no. Maybe like us, Abraham is often more committed to the destination than to the journey. He hadn't yet learned that the means do not justify, sorry, the ends do not justify the means. You cannot achieve God's purposes through human plans. Abraham is learning very slowly to have faith in God. In Romans 10, 17, we're told, consequently faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to his righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord when he heard what God said and he acted accordingly. You cannot believe God, you cannot act in righteousness until you act in obedience to what God has said. And you can't act in obedience to what God has said until you take time to listen to what God is saying. How many of us in our lives, and I know I've done it so often, God, give me a word. And he says, How many do you need? Until we take note of what God has already spoken here, until we begin to take notice of that, we cannot sit back and say, oh yeah, but I haven't got time for that. Give me another word. As I reflect on the story, I see similarities with the story of Adam and Eve. I was talking about it with Margaret last night. She said, I've never really realised this, that when God said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except these two, that, that was before Eve was created. Eve wasn't there to hear the command. And so when Eve went and took from the fruit from the tree and tasted and went to Adam and said, here, try some. Adam was the one who knew. Adam was the one God had spoken to. Adam was the one who sort of said, no God has said no it's not that God doesn't speak to woman God has lots of examples in scripture of God speaking to woman but on these two particular occasions God has spoken to the man and the man has ignored what has been said I said before that I could find myself in trouble that's never worried me as i thought about this, i come back to a very old-fashioned idea which I believe is absolutely biblical and we ignore it at our peril that the man is the head of the household. I know it's an old-fashioned idea and that many reject it. But it's because we totally ignore the best example of headship we have ever had the Apostle Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's headship. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every, uh, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to so the glory of God the Father. And I was reading the other day, there's one of those parables about this meal. And it says that when the bridegroom comes, he's seated at the head of the table and served. he said, but when this bridegroom comes, he will serve us. Even now, when he has the name that is above every other name, he lives to intercede for us. He serves us. That is headship. And the Apostle Paul picks it up in Ephesians when he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Saviour. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or other blemish, but holy and blameless. Any bloke who figures his wife's not up to standard is obviously not doing his job because it's his job to serve her and love her that she might become All that God intended. Headship is not about putting others down. Headship is about being prepared to step up. One of my favourite lines is the idea that in the 60s and 70s we had women's liberation. And I want to suggest that women weren't liberated, men were liberated. Because look at how many men just packed up and left home and left their wives to raise the children. Men need to step up. Men, if you want to give your wife... I told my wife last night, I wasn't going to tell her all of these, just in case I got held to account. If you want to give your wife a great gift for Mother's Day, step up. Step up to be the man God created you to be. Step up and give your wife the love and attention that she deserves and that God commands. Step up and set a godly example for your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, nephews and neighbours. How many times the problems that we see and face around us is because men are not prepared to step up. And one of the biggest problems we face today is there is such an attack on men who want to step up. I'm not too scared about saying about men being the head of the house. I preached that in Melbourne. And about a quarter of my congregation were young women, single women, aged between 20 and 35. And I said, which one of you would not choose to marry a man who would lay his life down for you? I had full agreement. The Bible knows what it's talking about. We need to learn to walk in obedience to it. However, this narrative actually isn't driven by Abraham and Sarah. This, This narrative centers on Hagar. In some ways, Hagar and Ishmael are the victims in this. Hagar was a dutiful, obedient slave. She had been acquired by Abraham and Sarah when they spent their time in Egypt. There are so many things that could be said about Hagar, but as I reflected on this passage, and I thought about Hagar, and I thought about all of the, particularly women, but there are men as well, who in one way or another find themselves in Hagar's place. They've been taken, they've been used, they've been abused, and they've just been cast aside. Used, lost, and alone. Now, some of us in our society who find ourselves in that place, it's because of the choices we've made. But so often it's the choices that others have made for us. And even that's impacted the choices that we've made. And we're just left dealing with the the fallout from the choices that others have made. You know, it really doesn't matter how you got to where you are. If you are a person here this morning who's feeling lost and alone and broken, and you might go, oh, we're not like that here. Well, you have a look at how many high-profile Christian leaders fall, and that's because they are hurting and lost and alone and broken and just don't find a safe place to deal with it. So just because I stand here does not mean I do not feel broken and lost and alone. We need one another. Abraham and Sarai had cast Hagar aside. They had driven her away. However, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. What a beautiful statement. The servants of God had driven her away. But the angel of the Lord found Hagar. God comes looking for those that others would cast aside and he calls them home. Our world, our communities, our neighborhoods are full of people who are hurting, broken, lost, alone, cast aside and our God is still the God who sees. He is still the God who seeks those who are hurting and broken and lost and alone and cast aside and he still longs to bring them home. On the 19th of November 2020, Gay brought this word. My people... Strangers, I am going to put across your path. I ask you to embrace them, for you are the angel that I have chosen to love and to guide. Do not be afraid to ask, because they know me, and if they don't know me, don't be afraid to put your embracing arms around them and tell them I love them. As I was finishing off this message, that was one of those words, and as I looked, because I remembered other things that Gay has shared over the time, on the 17th of August in 2021, the following year, my people, enlarge the place of your tent. And it's like, not build a bigger building. Enlarge. Open up yourself. Enlarge the place of your tent. So many of us live in such small worlds that we don't have room for others. It says, my people, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched. Fearlessly, confidently, and boldly draw near to the throne of grace as I take you from the place of wilderness where you have been to a new place. Cease all judging and criticism and unite as one so that the plans I have for this fellowship will expand beyond all measure. And then on the 6th of November, last year, you are a people of power. A people I have chosen, I have anointed, I have prepared you to take prepared to take you out to where those who are heartbroken need to know the love of Jesus. You will need courage, you will need perseverance, you will need me, your living God. I have brought you through many trials and many tribulations to bring you to this place that my disciples will go out and reach those who have need of my mighty spirit. I'm not reading from words that God wrote thousands of years ago. These are words that God has brought fresh. So when Gay brings the word like she did this morning, what do you go? Well, that's nice. had one person comment, uh, and they were being really sincere. They said, it's a long time since we've sat in a church service and heard God bring a word through someone with such freedom. Because most churches are so carefully programmed that God doesn't actually get to say anything unless it was written in last week. One of the things that's really encouraged Mike and I of recent weeks is the number of times we've gone, wow how did that fit together so amazingly? We shouldn't be amazed because we know it's the Holy Spirit but it's like we don't sit down at the beginning of the week and say Brian says I'm going to preach on this, Mike says well I'll say this in the songs and and Bill says well I'm going to, it's like God brings it together and so when God brings these words it's because he is, this is our land so we can go, that's nice that's really encouraging. Thanks, gay. We got well, that was a pretty cool word. But really these are this is our land. These are our promises to be claimed. God has promised these things to us, and it's up to us to claim them. That's what Bill said at the beginning. When God has told you to do something, don't wait for God to do it. Are our callings to be pursued, and they're His commands for us to obey to reach out and love the least and the lost, the broken and the hurting? Why? Because that's the nature of our God, He goes looking for the ones that others have driven away. God continues to call, He continues to send. And we are, I loved when I looked at that Gay's word, you are his angels. The word angel means the messenger. Some think that this manifestation, this, the angel of the Lord was actually Jesus pre-incarnate. But Christ is in each one of us. And he wants us to go and to love. And we learn it within the body as we love and care for one another, irrespective of where we've come from, who we are, what our struggles are. We learn to love one another, and then we can practice that and put it into practice out in the world if we don't get too busy in our own little worlds. Enlarge the place of your dwelling. We are his agents, his messengers, his ambassadors, Paul would say, seeking out, reaching out, reassuring and calling home those who are hurting and broken, those whom others have used and pushed aside and cast away. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from The Chapel in Atatū. For more information about The Chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.